Mark 11, starting at verse 27 then. And they, that's the party of you know Jesus and the disciples, came again to Jerusalem. And as he, that's Jesus, was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and said unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men... They feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. It's a very short encounter there, but... We're going to focus today on this topic of the authority of Christ. So we're picking up the story as, as Jesus is visiting the temple again. And this is just after the issue with the fig tree. So on, on the way, the fig tree was, was withered. Jesus had taken the opportunity to teach the disciples something. And, and now they're going to the temple. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was all this trouble in the, in the temple caused by Jesus. And that's, that's probably why... It's probably why this party of the religious elite, if you like, confront him. Now, it tells us in verse 27, it was the chief priests, the um, scribes, and the elders. Uh, they're the ones who are challenging him. And they form what's called the Sanhedrin. And that's an assembly that rules in all kinds of matters, legal, uh, church-wise, ecclesiastical, um, as far as Imperial Rome would allow them. And I've no doubt, I've no doubt the activity in the, in the temple was going on as normal. Had Jesus somehow, individually last time, managed to, you know, completely stop all the the, the sacrificial system in the temple <laughs> he would have been arrested but what he did do was hugely symbolic even if the religious leaders were talking about saw it as nothing but an outrageous and ungodly attack on God's house so Jesus demands, well, they first demand of Jesus, don't they, you know, tell us this, tell us this, and, and, and he makes it a counter demand. So they want to know what, what gives him the right to, to, to do these things, to say these things against them and their religion. And, you know, I, I don't think they were looking really for an answer. Um... 
they really hated Jesus. I think what they wanted was they were, they were hoping that he'd admit that he had zero authority. So Jesus tells them, well, he's quite happy to answer their question. There's just one condition. They must answer his question first. Now, that shouldn't have been much of a problem. Should they? For a group of men who were the elite in that society. We've got the rich and influential uh, chief priests from important families. We have the highly educated scribes. We have the well-respected elders they should together have had no problem answering a question from this uneducated poor trouble causer from that irrelevant little town up north Jesus's proposal is it's simple but wise and it's also quite funny which is why I was grinning while I was reading that because <laughs> um, well Jesus, he'll reveal his, his character and his mission to people in his own time. And he's not going to be intimidated into doing so prematurely by this gang or by anyone else. We, we, might, we might think of this as, well, Jesus is deliberately asking a question that he knows they can't answer. That, that, that's possible. It's also possible Jesus could be giving these people openly a, a space to repent. He's giving them the opportunity to think back to what John's baptism, John the Baptist's actions were, were all about. They could have a rethink about John. They could realise he was a true prophet of God and therefore believe his testimony. that Jesus is the Messiah. We see in verse 31 how they, they huddled together for a quick meeting and it's clear it's clear they didn't believe John was a prophet from God. That, that, that's, uh, that's certain. But instead of being sincere and saying so, they fear becoming unpopular with the people and so they decide to lie and say they're not sure. And since they haven't met Jesus' condition, he refuses to answer their question. We, we today who, who know Jesus personally, we understand, we freely confess, Jesus is the Lord from heaven. He has the full authority of God behind him. And it's my privilege today 
to, if you like, uh, answer the question of the religious leaders. Now, they won't hear it, but hopefully it'll serve as, uh, well, not just a reminder to the Lord's people, but also as an answer to anyone in this world who asks questions like that. You know, why should we listen to Jesus? Who does he think he is? So we're going to look at where he derived his authority from, how it was displayed during his life on this earth, and how he retained it even after his death and resurrection. So here's the first thing then. We can say that his authority comes from the Father, God the Father. The, the origin of Jesus' authority can, can, can be seen even in this passage today, if we look closely enough. It may not appear obvious, but Jesus is hinting that his authority comes from the same place John the Baptist did. And when it says in verse, when it says in verse 32 that all people counted John as being a true prophet, it's to be understood, uh, well, pretty much literally, though, because there was widespread belief among the people, among the common people, that the baptism of John, the things he did, it stands for it stands for his whole ministry of repentance and faith, that it was from heaven, that is from God. And this, this poor answer given by the religious crowd was, uh, as I said, a lie. So there's a question mark over their integrity straight away, isn't there? But let's say it wasn't a lie and they... And they genuinely couldn't decide if John's ministry was from God. Well, that would undermine their authority because, after all, anyone with spiritual light would see John as the real deal. It's also not obvious to us not being part of that, that religious culture back then. When Jesus answered their question with another question, he was taking control of the meeting. That's what was happening. And the perceptive observer at the time would see in this something of the authority that the Sanhedrin doubted Jesus had. There'd been no prophets in Judea for hundreds of years. Then all of a sudden, two intriguing characters appear on the scene, and by their words, their actions, they, they show themselves to be sent by God. My guess is that the religious establishment just didn't know how to respond. First John arrives and you know and turns the turns the place upside down. Then he announces 
a second one coming who was far greater than him. John declares the authority of Jesus Christ. And if John is genuine, then Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Just have a listen again to what John says about Jesus. <clears throat> it says, He, that's Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Uh, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receives. his testimony he that hath received his testimony hath set it to his seal that God is true for he who God hath sent speaketh the words of God for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him the father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand by the way it's also interesting bearing, what, bearing in mind what we said last week it's also interesting that John conducted his ministry outside the city because he was introducing the people to a, a new uh, type of religious encounter with God and it had nothing to do with the temple. And this, of course, ties in with Jesus's veiled warnings that the temple age would soon come to an end. We um, started in Mark's Gospel, can you believe, about a year ago. It's just on a year. Well, if you can remember, going back over the very first chapter, we see even there a small revelation of Jesus' authority. You, you might remember Jesus had been into the local synagogue. And he was teaching. says this and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes one of the characteristics of Mark's uh, gospel oops, sorry, uh, one of the characteristics of, uh, of, of Mark's gospel is um, it shows it shows how Jesus was very guarded about revealing things about himself too early and hopefully you've been able to see there's been this gradual unveiling by Jesus about his uh, his identity and his and his purpose but there are even hints in our passage today of Jesus's authority we've seen we've seen we've seen that we've seen John declared it too we've seen that his hearers we've just heard that his hearers recognized it just from the things he taught and the way he taught them but Let's not forget uh, the two declarations we've come across just in this gospel, which show more than anything where Jesus' authority came from. At Jesus' baptism, we saw this. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then 
You may also remember that Jesus at one point went up a mountain. He took just three of his disciples with him to see him being transfigured. His face changed and all this. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. So there we have it then. The answers to the Sanhedrin's questions. By what authority did Jesus do and say these things? By the authority of God. Who gave Jesus this authority? The very same God of heaven. The ones who these religious hypocrites claimed to worship and serve. Here's the next point then. His authority was seen while on earth. <clears throat> Since Jesus' authority was attested to by the people, by a prophet, by Jesus himself and the God of heaven, we're not surprised to see this authority displayed in the things he did and spoke. And we're just going to have a look at a few examples, a few different ways he showed his authority. So, the first one, he showed his authority over nature. Even just last week, we saw how a tree started with, you know, green leaves looking very promising. And then it went to being dead and shriveled up all in the space of 24 hours. Jesus made a pronouncement pronouncement about the tree and then he, he just walked away so it was in his absence that the tree by no natural process started to die and so he was exercising his power over the tree even from a distance if we go back uh, further in, in, in our gospel we will remember seeing uh, an even more startling example of Jesus' authority over the created world do you remember when he was he was with the disciples and they were caught in a storm at sea and in their panic the disciples roused Jesus from his sleep uh, to help them and he addressed the storm uh, as if it were a creature uh, needing to be tamed and in some way that we'll never understand he he was able to manipulate each one of the innumerable molecules of water and air in such a way as to bring instant calm to the sea but remember this is the one of whom it said he created the world and everything else from nothing by his almighty power so of course he's able to do this lesser thing with something he's, he's already created we also see that Jesus showed his authority over sickness over sickness you might recall Jesus healing um, Peter's mother-in-law Peter's mother-in-law I don't know she she wasn't well it caused a fever so it could have it could have been some kind of you know coronavirus uh, like that or it could have been like a bacterial infection but whatever it was she had this fever and she couldn't have been a young woman so it was potentially very serious yet standing there in her midst was the one 
who'd invented viruses and bacteria, and by that same divine power he miraculously made the woman's illness vanish. What else do we see? We see Jesus showing his authority over evil. Now I mentioned a minute ago about Jesus being in the, in the synagogue. Re remember early on in Mark's gospel, and I referred to it then because of the reaction to the people to Jesus's teaching. You know, he said, they said, he sounds authoritative. Well, well, let's not forget the incident that that happened there that caused the most shock and amazement. There was a man there, wasn't there, uh, who was demon possessed. Now I know I know that these devils. Uh, millions of them probably maybe hundreds of millions I don't know and they th this is part of the, even the Christians warfare they try to influence us and and to an extent you can say then that they, they influence the behaviour of everyone the, the, the thinking and behaviour of, of everyone even Christians but when I say demon possession we're talking here about a, a type of case involving people who were affected to a far, far greater degree than is normal in this world. The the, the man, the demon possessed man, he spoke to Jesus, but really it was um, he was speaking the mind of the demon rather than his own mind, and he knew he was in trouble. There before him stood the Son of God with all the power of God at his disposal, should he choose to use it. And Jesus used his power to force the demon to fly away, leaving the man there at peace and well again. Amazing power, authority. Uh, another way. He showed his authority is over sin. Now the example I've chosen now was to do with Jesus healing someone of his disability. So you might be wondering what this has got to do with sin. But it was the episode where the lame man was... Uh, crowds, the his friends of brought this lame man on on a little stretcher, and they couldn't get in. So the cheeky gang got up on the roof, pulled the roof apart, and then lowered. The mate down on on a stretcher on on ropes. They managed not to drop him, and they lowered him down. And of course, this was going to end in a, you know, it ended in a in a in a bodily healing. But it wasn't just about that. It was for Jesus to show something more important. The first thing he said to the disabled man was, 
your sins are forgiven. And he had the full authority of the Godhead to forgive sins in this way. The leadership of the synagogue was outraged, of course, but as they muttered their complaints, they got one thing right. They said, no one can forgive sins except God. Well, give them a round of applause. They've got something right for a change. Only God has the authority to forgive sins in this way and either Jesus is an outright cheat blasphemer liar deceiver con man and magician or they should have concluded as we can now that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh Jesus also showed his authority over death can that be true? Jesus had authority even over death itself. Well, we turn to the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, the brother to Martha and Mary and a personal friend of Jesus. His appointed time came. Lazarus died. And this wasn't a special kind of death. He died the same way you and I will. We pick the story up where Jesus is speaking to Martha. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Further on it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me further on it says and when he had thus spoken he cried with a loud voice Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin Jesus saith unto them loose him and let him go that's found in John chapter 11 And this power of Jesus wasn't limited to the lives of others only. Incredibly, he told his followers, not only was he going to die, that is, be killed, but the, that he had the power to raise himself from the dead. And that takes us to our final heading We've looked at where his authority came from. We've looked at examples of how it was displayed. And we're going to now show how that that authority of Jesus Christ continued after his death and his resurrection. Now we haven't come to this bit in Mark's story yet. There's just a few chapters to go. But we all, we all know that in this story the main character dies and... And, and this was the grand mission of the ages. God would come into this world as a man and in the prime of his life he would throw himself onto God's altar as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for the sins of other people. 
you're listening to this today and you don't know if this has anything to do with you, perhaps we can we can help you with that. Well, the first point is God who God saves is God's business. It's not mine or yours to think about who he's who he plans to save. Secondly, the very the very reason you're thinking about these things and tuning in today it may be just idle curiosity to be soon forgotten but it may very well be because God the Holy Spirit has started a work in your heart and he means to bring you to Christ the one the person who's sincerely looking to get right with God will go to God in prayer they'll begin to ask him for mercy and it's then in, in receiving God's grace they find themselves convinced that Jesus died for them so friends we, we, we're we not going to venture to say to tell you Jesus died for you or he didn't die for you we're not going to make guesses as to whether God loves you or hates you or something else but we do have the warrant of God to tell you if you want to be saved for all eternity what madman wouldn't want that you must stop what you're doing. You must go somewhere private. Pour your heart out to God in prayer. Be honest about your sin. And ask for his forgiveness. What a life awaits you if you find Jesus. Both now and, for, and forever. So Jesus died then. But we know he was gloriously raised from the dead. After just a, a few days in the grave. And in his journey to that land of uh, Hades, his authority was not in the least diminished. He rose from the dead with all the authority he had before his death. And listen to what he says after his resurrection. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power. The word power... is the same word that's translated elsewhere as authority and look at the extent of that authority it extends to every part of the, this material realm and also the spiritual realm And we know that a number of days after showing himself, to his resurrected self to, to the people, he returned. To heaven. This is how Peter described it in one of his letters. Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him and even in heaven he continues to serve his people it said it said he argues our cause with his heavenly father he's our intercessor he intercedes for us but he does far more even than that he continues in this work of salvation 
because although the sacrifice of himself has been completed, he still has people out there who haven't been saved by his grace yet. So yes, friends, there are, there are people in the world today, maybe, not maybe, definitely people within our own circles of friends and family who belong to God, uh, but haven't yet been saved. This is why we share the gospel. Because it's just our words faithfully transmitting the truths of the Bible. That's, and that's what God chooses to use to reach his people wherever they are. And he reaches them. He reaches them most certainly every time with the gospel. And they believe it. And then he draws them into that place of prayer where they realise the glorious truth that they've been born all over again but in a spiritual way. It says in John 17, this is Jesus speaking of himself and he's talking to, to his Father in heaven. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. We can rest in this comforting truth that every one on that list that the Father planted in the heart of Jesus will eventually come to the Saviour, receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But there are, of course, multitudes of people in this world who refuse to take notice of the gospel that we preach. And one of Jesus' other roles as he sits at the right hand of God is to deal with those people. They'll encounter Jesus Christ whether they like it or not. But they'll only get to see him in the robes of a judge in the supreme court of God. And this will take place when Jesus returns to this earth. But when will that be? It's the big question. When will that be? Well, let, I want to draw your attention to a specific time within the next week. Check your calendars. I'm talking about this Tuesday, the 16th of March in the year 2021. At precisely three o'clock in the afternoon, people in the UK will be going about their business. There will be people in supermarkets. There will be uh, people filling up their cars with fuel parents will be picking up their children from school employees will be watching the clock waiting to go home in other parts of the world people will be retiring for the night others will be hearing the alarms go off to get them up for work or college what brother are you, are you saying Jesus is going to return to judge the world in just two days time of course I'm not you have no idea when he's coming back. Some people tell me, Jesus coming any day now, you can tell because of all the badness in the world. <laughs> As if that's never been around. They just think every generation thinks they've got it worse. Um, Christians in the UK and America are not being slaughtered and set on fire. So, you know, yeah, it has been worse in the past. But some Christians just pick out verses from the Bible and they assume... They refer to Jesus' second coming. And on that basis, they they say Jesus is, it will be back very shortly. And I think that's, that, that, that's a huge mistake. 
So why did I mention this Tuesday at three o'clock? Because it's that type of ordinary day when Jesus will come. This Tuesday at 3pm is special only because it's just as likely, if you like, that Jesus could return then as at any other time in the future. It could be in a thousand years, but it could be Tuesday. Are you ready for that, friends? What about you who don't belong to God? Are you ready? Have you said all you want to say? Have you, have you done all you wanted to do? Because your eternal imprisonment could begin on Tuesday. Never mind that, it could, it, it could begin tonight. The will of the Godhead was that Jesus, the Son of Man, should be given the authority to judge this world. Acts 17. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. The resurrection was the crowning proof of the authority of Jesus Christ. So you see there's a day appointed. And it's because we don't know when that day will be. We need to have this feeling of expectation. For the unbeliever, we urge them to understand Jesus could come at any time. We also remind them how fragile life is. You're not guaranteed anything because you're young. People just drop down dead all, all the time, all over the place. So People have no idea when they're going to die any more than we do. So we tell them to repent while they can. But see how much more beautiful an expectation this is for the believer for us, it's not something we want to be postponed for as long as possible. We want Jesus to come as soon as possible. We say, don't we, from time to time, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to his friend and brother uh, Titus, says the following. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Blessed hope, a happy and excited expectation that Jesus is coming. By his authority, he'll consign the hordes of unbelievers to their eternal prison. And by the same authority, grant his people access into the great garden of God a place where they'll enjoy the company of other believers and even Jesus himself in a state of joy that will never end I pray you believers would experience this hope in a very powerful way during your days doing God's service Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen.
Thank you, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And um, well, I say thank you, but of course, it's uh, if if you've uh, been blessed by God's word, then then that has been for your benefit. And I just count it a great privilege to be part of that process of God blessing you. So I leave you with His and my blessing, and I, 